Hey, listeners. Uh, I feel like I'm making an apology to you every week because we keep having late drops, but uh, I do need to apologize for how late this one is. We did record late on this one, and uh, between Miles and I, we've been having a lot of uh, health issues, especially sleep-wise, so uh, trying to concentrate and do an edit has been next to impossible when you're in a, a uh, brain fog. But we're going to try and get back on track, and hopefully we can start getting this thing dropped in time on Mondays again. But uh, we definitely need to take a break, so uh, we're going to record this weekend, uh, so there will be another another episode after this. But after that, we're going to take a break for a week uh, just to recuperate and get all our ducks in a row. I've actually never never dated anybody taller than me. Yeah, have you wanted to? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, there's plenty of tall women that are fine. <laughs> want her legs to wrap around me twice. <laughs> I know it's not, you know, it's not possible, but still, the idea behind it. Yeah, you know, a scene from Futurama, Snoo Snoo. Yeah, totally fine. With it. Totally fine. With it. <laughs> I had Snoo Snoo. If you want the economy to reopen, you are a monster and you are a terrible person because you want people to die. Real fake fact number two. If you don't want the economy to reopen and you want to keep people at home, you are a monster because you want people to lose their jobs and their livelihood and you don't want the economy to prosper and you hate America. You want us to bleed to death like Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. And Miles. And uh, listeners, potentially this could be a long podcast depending on one, how my mouth works and if I can get my words out correctly. And two, uh, we actually do have a bit to talk about. So I'm going to start out with uh, Battlefront 2. So recently uh, EA has announced, actually DICE has announced that they are no longer going to be doing supporting Battlefront 2. And what does that mean? That means they're no longer going to be creating more content. So they have the latest content bit that's going to be coming out. And that'll be it. There will be no more content drops. Uh, that doesn't mean the servers are going to shut off. Like some people have been retardedly panicking on uh, Reddit about. <laughs> um, yeah, even the Battlefield 1 servers are still working. It's yeah, just there's just nobody on there. Non-existence. <laughs> uh, but Battlefront 2, your community is still going well and strong. And the servers will probably be still running at least for another year or two. Uh, I would imagine a little like uh, a little bit longer than that, even uh, given the fact that EA tends to keep the servers running for a little bit longer, as long as they still have some players. Well, especially since they said uh, supposedly they are working on the, the next battlefield game. And that means that's yeah, probably still got a couple of years. In the uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm making I'm giving, you know, I'm, I'm leading into that as well. Uh, so. The next thing is that there are also rumors, um, or, you know, Getting, getting back to the servers really quick. I mean, if you're listeners, if you're really worried about the servers, just keep in mind, uh, Anthem's still working. So, I mean, there's <laughs> there's no reason why they're going to get rid of Battlefront 2. It's it's actually turned into a successful game uh, overall for player base, um, not so much for how it did when it, when it launched. Other rumors are coming out that, uh, and this comes from actually a good source who did uh, leak information about Battlefront 2 uh, as well, like, it, this is coming from the same or from 
the same source who had leaked the information about loot boxes and how they were going to work uh, initially. So pretty reliable source. Someone who is either connected to or within DICE has leaked this out that evidently Battlefront 2 will be the last Battlefront that they work on, uh, at least for a while. And uh, that could have, you know, there, there are a lot of things that, that could be could have to do with this. Uh, that could have to do with the fact that Battlefront 2 did not perform very well when it launched. I mean, I don't think they, I, I think they may have just barely after all the sales and the length of time that it took to get more players on may have barely recovered what it cost to make the game. But given the amount of content that they made afterwards, I doubt it. And since they didn't do a season pass and they kind of released, um, I wouldn't really consider the game unfinished, but they were really banking on their loot boxes doing better and being received better and making more money off surprise of that. Surprise mechanics. To, yeah, surprise, sorry, surprise mechanics. They were really banking on that doing well to fund. You sound like assholes. <laughs> they, were, they were really banking on that to fund the rest of uh, the game. And they continue to do content updates. I mean, I applaud the fact that they continued with it and they held to their promise of the fact that they were going to continue to release stuff. Even though the single-player campaign wasn't really what I wanted from a Battlefront game, it was still they they gave they they did give a campaign they did give uh, more uh, maps to players and they overall gave what I would consider a pretty decent package in the end for the, for that game. Now, when you take that whole thing together and you you put it all together and you compare it to the original Battlefront two, do they stack up? At this point, yeah. I mean, I th- I think that. Battlefront 2 now is in a situation that is more close, closer related to previous Battlefront entries that we had in the past from the PS2 and, and original Xbox era. Just on overall, like giving, you know, giving a, uh, a full fledged experience. I think the other thing is it, not just the bad sales, but I think the other thing that they want to do is they after what's been happening with with Battlefield 5, that they want to focus on their own. IPs that they had to split like I mean Battle, Battlefield 5 the teams that were work, the teams that were working on these Dice pretty much had to split up their departments of we have a team that's working on Battlefront and we have a team that's working on Battlefield well this kind of makes me feel like Battlefield as a whole kind of suffered because of what happened with Battlefront 2 so they had to focus so much on Battlefront 2 to fix that situation that they couldn't really do a whole lot with Battlefield 5 and yeah. Uh, so now, you know, this gives them a chance, I think, to to pull their teams together and go back to working on their own original IPs that they, you know, desperately need to try and fix. And this comes to the Battlefield 5 news that Battlefield 5 is all is, is also already no longer going to be supported. And that means no new content drops, no new maps. No additional stuff is coming out for it. And it's kind of crazy when you think about the fact that Battle, Battlefront 2 lasted this long and then you go over to Battlefield 5 and it lasted just over a year. And the there's, you know, there's a clear difference between the two of them. Uh Battlefield 5 was turned was turned into a games as a service and the reason is is, you know, it originally launched in my opinion unfinished. And uh the developers can say well it was planned to do these episodic things, but at the same time, well I I have to question that of if your team was as large as it could have been if Battlefront 2 weren't taking up other other parts of your your department 
would the game have been more finished? Would we have had a full campaign right away? Would we we have gotten Battle Royale right away, which was one of the things that really hurt their sales initially because they were trying to beat Call of Duty to sale to the sales market or be in at least in the running at the same time, yet their Battle Royale mode wasn't ready. So yeah. their fans went, well, you don't have the mode I'm looking for. I'm going to go over to Call of Duty regardless. So that that hurt them. The game struggled for, you know, over a year to gain to gain any ground and to gain new players. And then suddenly, as there was this re- resurgence, when they came out with the Battle Royale, when they came out with uh, more maps, they had new players coming in and they decided to make this decision that was just absolutely I don't have any polite way of putting this listeners, but it was stupid. They decided to nerf the weapons uh, used by longtime vets who have been playing the game for, for since day one. And it was met with complete backlash because new players were coming in, but the old players were noticing, Hey, my weapons aren't as effective as they used to be. What's going on. And it turned out they nerfed all the other crap because new players that were coming in were, they didn't want them to complain about the fact that they were getting their ass handed to them. Well, that's kind of what happens when you're a new player in anything and you're coming in and you have lower rank shit. Well, okay, that's where your matchmaking comes in. You need to go, you need to, yeah. that, that's why you need to get away from this true skill XP matchmaking and go back to the actual matchmaking that worked, which listeners, we talked about this in the podcast well like years back, but the real matchmaking that worked was back with Halo 2. Halo 2 matchmaking was solid, and the reason why it was solid was because it was based off of what I would consider true skill, not XP. XP is not true skill. That The true skill rating system, if you actually read about how it works, it is garbage. Real matchmaking has to do with your stats, how how accurate you are, how many headshots you get, how kills you get. Yeah, that, that's, that's true skill. When it takes all those things into account to matchmake your teams, that's actual true skill. Yeah, I think Halo 3 did the same thing, didn't it? Uh, no, Halo 3 was when it started going to the the true skill model. It was a mix. Gotcha. It was a I shouldn't say it wasn't entirely. It was a mixed bag. So gotcha. they they used they started implementing XP in uh, in Halo 3 and uh, they used uh, XP in conjunction with some of the other stats to try and do a better job of it, but it wasn't until after Halo uh, or it wasn't until Halo reached that they decided, all right, we're just going to go true skill entirely because it, because true skill is easier. Listeners, true skill is a much easier system for them to use. And they feel it's more, they feel it's more dependable because they don't have to put their hands on it. Well, that's, that's nice that you don't have to put your hands on it, but at the same time, that's not really accomplishing the goal and not really correcting the problem. When you like, so when you look at how Battlefield Five handled it, well, we're going to nerf our weapons instead of actually creating a real matchmaking system that allows players of the same level to play with other players of their level. Instead, we're going to use a matchmaking system that just places people in randomly because we don't really have a matchmaking system in place and we don't have enough players to create that kind of matchmaking system right now because Battlefield Five was still struggling overall to try and build its community. In the end, you had this, uh, you know, this game that struggled not only just to, to build its community, but also because the developers were struggling to try and get content out. So, you know, because of development time and shorthanded, you know, shorthanded staff, you have to look at it like, well, it was split between Battlefront and Battlefield. And the game was essentially rushed, in my opinion, to launch 
in order to, to meet Call of Duty, which doesn't help. So do, are they going to learn from those mistakes when they go forward with this next Battlefield game? God, I hope so. I hope EA learns from it and doesn't push them to say, hey, we're your publisher. We realize you guys have been working on this for a while, but we need you to stop and put it out because we have to go to market. I think they were trying to focus too much on on too many different things as well, because like you said, you know, they tried to implement a battle royale system Mm -hmm. that didn't really come to fruition for a while. Um, So they were really trying to catch up with like Fortnite and uh, PUBG and stuff like that trying to capture that crowd instead of focusing on, you know, good story, good PVP, multiple regular standard yeah. standard matches. You know, anytime you divert your attention to multiple facets, something's going to suffer from it. Yeah. And on top of that, instead of having the traditional uh, multiplayer that they were really, you know, they used to focus on so much, which was actually kind of closer to Battle Royale to begin with. It just didn't have the systems in place of like closing the arena and stuff like that. And everybody versus everything all the time. But, yeah. you know, that that it seemed like, well, if you guys had focused on this, you could have transferred translate this over to Battle Royale really quickly. But the thing is, listeners, they weren't even finished with the campaign. They had toted the fact that they were really focused on the campaign this time. And yet when the game really and, and that was reassuring to gamers like me, listeners, like I, I really like story and I wanted to experience that. And I was like, wow, this sounds kind of cool. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's good to hear. And that I didn't play this route. I didn't play all of the stories, uh, but, you know, the ones I played were actually pretty interesting and, and pretty fun and pretty drawn out. Yeah, but the problem was uh, is that when they toted that, they didn't tell anybody, oh, it was like initially, I should say, they didn't tell anybody, oh, it's going to be episodic because we actually haven't finished yeah. the game. And when the game came out, suddenly, oh, this isn't finished. We don't have yeah. all the campaign that you promised. And it turns out that you have, like you said, Miles, they have too many things, too many cooks in the kitchen working on too many things at once. They were working yeah. on battle Royale here, multiplayer here, maps here, expansions here, campaign. And you're sitting there going, what were you guys doing? Well, they were doing too much. They weren't, you know, it was, it was a, it was, it was a team that was smaller than it, than it used to be because they were working on two different games at the same time. They had one game that was supposed to be coming out. Hadn't been in full development for as, you know, for a longer period of time, like they normally do. And you had them working on way too many things. So this this to me isn't just a developer making decisions of we need to do this, we need to do that. This to me sounds like a developer that was talking to their owner, EA, and EA was saying, you guys have to do this, 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 and this. We've heard this kind of conversation in the past, listeners, when it came to Bioware and their conversations with EA and how EA treated them with Mass Effect Andromeda and how EA sat there, sat there and dictated you have to do this, 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 and this. Well, we know that happens in, the indus- in, in their industry. We know that happens within their company. So is there a strong likelihood that this all doesn't rest on DICE's shoulders and that all of it's not their fault? Very likely. It's very likely that EA had a little bit to do with it and had a little bit of influence as to what was happening within the company. And causing them to kind of panic and, and reach into every every freaking basket they could of we're going to do this content, this content, this content, instead of slowing down and going, we need to do A, B, C, D, and then we'll release the game. And that's the biggest reason that I'm, I'm really hesitant of them ever approaching Bad Company again, because mm-hmm. I loved Bad Company, too. And uh, you know, for the longest time, I wished they had come out with another one. Yeah, but uh, given their track record as of late, I'm pretty sure if it did come out, it'd be 
well below my expectation. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things of, well, if you guys aren't going to actually take this seriously and take the time that you need to, then I don't know if I can trust you in the future. And this puts dice in kind of a weird situation, especially since battlefield five games as a service did not work out for that game. So are they going to take the time needed to make the next one? Or is the next one just going to jump right into the games as a service? Given what we've seen from EA in the past, I think EA is going to stick to their guns on games as a service, sadly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this, this is the craziest thing listeners that EA has proven time and time again, that this model does not work and it, it fails more often than it succeeds. There are some games that have been able to come back from complete failure and rebuild their community, but they've been, they've, they've had to do that over time and they haven't been able to charge for it. They haven't been able to make money off of that. So they're just bleeding money in the time while they're trying to fix their game. Does that sound like a good business model to you? Nope. It doesn't sound like one to me. It sounds like a, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw money at a fan and hope to God that I can pick up the pieces afterwards. I, that, that it just sounds ridiculous. Like I realize that they're like listeners. I realize that it takes money to build a game and it takes money and time to build a game. And you're, you know, while the game's still in development, the company feels like they're just bleeding money because there's no, they're not seeing any, any income from it. But at the same time, you're doing the same thing when you release the game and yeah, you see that initial income from it, but now you're just bleeding money that you just made back slowly over time to fix the game you just put out. And that's what Bethesda has done. That's what EA has done. Activision did that for a while with with Destiny, and we're going to get to our Destiny conversation a little bit later and talk about its state currently. But back when uh, you know, back when Bungie was having to deal with Activision, Activision was kind of causing their own situation, their own bad situation with Destiny to begin with by saying you have to put it out, and Bungie having to not create the game that they set out to do and not create everything that they wanted to do, and having to just put out a product. They needed to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible, and because of that. The game suffered, and so did the community as a whole. So do these publishers even notice that? Well, they see their initial income, and they don't care. As long as they can try and stretch things out and make more money off of other systems within it, that's not their problem. That's the developer's problem as far as they're concerned. Yeah, you got to remember that EA is the company that really flirted with the idea of charging gamers for ammunition in games. (laughs) <laughs> that was their former president, but still yeah, listeners that that's an actual quote. That's not, that's not us making things up. That's not us basing off a of rumor. He literally said that in an interview. He basically was talking about the opportunities of monetization for future games and how things could work. And uh, yeah, he was a former president, but he still said it. And it's still something yeah. that very yeah. much resonates throughout EA. Yeah. There was clearly people in there that agreed with them. Yeah. So. You know, as they go forward, I hope DICE is able to be given the time to make the game that they set out to do and the game that they want to make. And yeah. it's not just total, like, monetary driven. As much as I fucking hate EA as of late and Activision and occasionally Ubisoft, uh, I don't <laughs> I don't want their games to fail. I want their games to mm-hmm. be amazing. You know? But... Yeah. It just hasn't been that way. <laughs> well, sure, so we always really. like we, we always sound like we're being negative and we are being negative because the industry has a lot of negativity to it. But in reality, at the end, 
Like, I don't want to see EA and DICE and all their developers fail. I want to see them succeed. I want to see EA come back to being a good publisher. And I'm not going to say great because they were never really great because some of their practices with other developers have been atrocious. And how they've treated other, other developers has been atrocious. But... I do want to see their games do well and their and their games to be enjoyed by fans. I want to see their games be uh, loved and cherished by fans and to have that be the relationship that we should have with our publishers. We should have with our developers of we love your content. We want to see more. And it hasn't been that way for a while. So keep that in mind, listeners. We, we don't want to see them fail. We actually want to see them succeed because when they're good, and, and they're re- well-received by fans, the fans win. That's that's the big thing is, you know, we as the gamers get a good product. When we get a good product, that's what we want. That's what we wanted a, was a good product in the first place. And when it's a good product in the first place, the company does well. Okay, yeah. yeah. All, all, you, all thumbs up. You gain up. faith. <laughs> you gain faith in your products when you release stuff that holds up to its promises mm-hmm. and is actually good. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's. It sounds simpler than it is, but But because of what happened, I became so jaded towards EA. I didn't want to buy any of your products. I I just had gotten fed up with it. Well, and then, you know, the whole debacle with, you know, they're trying to defend, you know, loot boxes. It was just deplorable. It really was. Yeah. I mean, when you when you realize you made a mistake and then you continue to try to defend it afterwards, even after changing, even after changing it, instead of owning up to it, I mean, you might as well be giving us a, a uh, blanketed apology like blizzard did when they realized they fucked up. Bethesda. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit there and say, look, we're sorry. You know, we're going to, we're going to address the elephant in the room. And it's one thing, and it's another thing to say, we're sorry, but we're not going to change anything. We're not really going to change our decision. We're not really going to change. Yeah. Which is not really sorry, (laughs) which is what we've seen from the industry. Well, then you're not. Yeah, exactly. You're not really sorry. Then you're not really sorry for anything you've done. You're just sorry because the public got pissed off. Moving on. We have Ubisoft. Ubisoft made a huge announcement lately, and it's been rumored for last two years, roughly, I think year and a half, somewhere around there that the next Assassin's Creed would be focused around Vikings. And Oh yeah. Since, uh, since division two. Yeah. Because and, uh, the posters the, yeah, in there, the, the posters. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And, uh, that's been one of those things of like, Oh, you know, they're, they're definitely working on Vikings and no one's no one at Ubisoft has been talking about it rightly. So, because at some point they could have just said, ah, actually, this isn't working out. We're going to stop this and we're going to go work on something else. And they could have delayed an Assassin's Creed game. You never know what happens in development. Uh, but recently they unveiled Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And that trailer was kick ass. I do have to admit that trailer oh, yeah. is really cool. Yeah, the trailer is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's really freaking cool. Yeah, really, um, really well done. Your marketing department should be very proud of that. It's very well put together and the pacing is perfect. The attitude around it is well received and, and everything that you want to get across as to how fans should perceive uh, the main protagonist and this this storyline is is top notch. I mean, you guys you guys nailed it in a what what would be considered just a 
relatively uh, short and sweet trailer for a video game. So good job. I, I, I applaud your part, your, your marketing team for that. Not really a surprise to a lot of us that were, were kind of following uh, what they were doing, that it was going to be Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's a, I still wanted a Russian campaign one. Yep. That wasn't, you know, 2d side scroller. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to want feudal Japan. I wanted a Russian. I wanted a Russian one that had to do with the, uh, the czars because it would have been after Altair and, uh, yeah, we would have gotten, we, we would have gotten back to more of the assassins creed brotherhood, uh, vibe of, you know, the brotherhood being instilled in, in, in Russia you know, trying to take down those systems and you could have had a really cool story involving Rasputin and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that's not where we got. We, you know, we got with what we expected, which is Valhalla, you know, Vikings. When they showed off the setting tease, cause they, they did a setting reveal, uh, the day prior mm-hmm. and it was very clearly Vikings. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, uh, but I immediately, uh, thought to ask the guys, except I didn't actually do it. I was like, Hey, who's taking bets? Uh, is it going to be called Valhalla or Ragnarok? Right. <laughs> yeah. There's so a- when they, when they Go ahead. unveiled the name, I'm like, ah, and everybody's shocked. <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly, uh, something you, you know, something you could get around. I mean, the only other, I think the only other choice would be maybe calling it Midgard just because it has to do with earth. Yeah, uh, uh, Odin's son. Odin's son, maybe. Yeah. Would have been pretty cool. Uh, but uh, that trailer does, like, they, they did a really good job of uh, showing off what, they, what they're what they trying to convey, which is your understanding of Viking culture uh, from the bad guy's perspective isn't correct, and we're going to be playing a different kind of story with it. And one of the things that I do want to say is that uh, Assassin's Creed is always taking liberties with culture and history. They do oh, have some absolutely. historical things that try to they try to stay pretty accurate to, which is always really cool. Uh, namely, usually the setting and yeah. locations are really, really spot on. Yeah. Um, you know, great example of that is the French Revolution during Unity. Spot on uh, a lot of the stuff that was going on, but they always take liberties. So, and, and usually that's one of the th- one of the things of like they'll they'll villainize somebody that you maybe in history you haven't learned you know you've always learned that they've they've been a stand-up person history yeah, is not you know hope. history is written by the <laughs> right His, history is written by the by the victors so every everyone's history is kind of you know can ha, can have a skew to it you know it, it hasn't been until most recent you know the most recent like 30 years that historians have really trying to try to go out of their way to try and reveal exactly what was taking place at the time the politics of the time the things that were actually happening and showing that some people who you thought were actually stand-up individuals Sometimes they did some some scummy things. Sometimes they had to. Sometimes they just were scummy in the background. You just didn't know it. So knowing that, it, it's kind of cool that Ubisoft can take those liberties because, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future you'll find out that this person actually was a piece of shit. Never know. But right. when it came to the Viking thing, like they took a lot of creative freedom when it came to how Vikings actually were. And that was mostly evident when I was watching the uh, the div breakdown of their own trailer when they were talking about some of the systems that that doesn't talk, you know, that the, the trailer doesn't show like settlements and stuff like that. And while, yes, Vikings had settlements in England and they did bring settlements with them when they uh, came into other lands, uh, when they ransacked people, it was not 
it, it was not peaceful. They, they they pretty much wiped out entire towns and saying that, oh yeah, you know, you don't understand them. They they wouldn't hurt women and children. Even they did take even, them as slaves. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you could argue that aspect. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nor- Norway, even like their history, doesn't doesn't paint Vikings in, in a pure light. Uh, they're willing to admit the fact that the Vikings were very brutal. They enslaved a lot of cultures. They, uh, you know, when you sit there and you say, well, they they made settlements and they worked with other settlements around them. Yes, they worked with other settlements around me because they had made a settlement and they had to work with other settlements around them. If they had it their way and they had a large enough army, they would take over the other settlements right away. It's yeah. it's not something I mean, like they They weren't like they weren't coming over like a barbarian horde or the Romans with a massive army behind them. They were small settlement armies, or armies where they had raiders, you know, they had raiders, uh, you know, uh, farmers, stuff like that with them. And the raiders would go in and and take over an area. And that was it. And the settlement would would be established there. They would then work with the communities around them because they had to. So yeah. you, you kind of paint them as a this picture of they weren't conquerors. They were very much conquerors, just like a lot of cultures oh, yeah. back then. They were in they were conquering yeah. nations. They were coming in. They would kill, rape, pillage, everything. <laughs> you, uh, if you, if you get really curious, listeners, take a look at the uh, the maps on where Vikings can be traced to. Mm-hmm. Um, they explored a lot mm-hmm. of the known world. Um, you know, as far as they've, they've, there's been traces of them in Egypt. Yep. Um, everywhere across Canada, they are arguably uh, <laughs> one of the greatest explorers that have ever lived. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, reach goes, uh, you, the only ones that have really ever surpassed him was like the Mongols, mm-hmm. English and Portuguese. And, and the that's reason, actually a pretty impressive list. Yeah. And the reason why the, the, <laughs> those other cultures were able to is because most of their exploration were across massive amounts of land. Yeah. And these guys were using long boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have, really sophisticated uh sailing uh established yeah so they were it's a, a really impressive culture you know despite their uh, transgressions yeah so uh watching that you know watching that div stream they have a lot of respect for uh vikings and their history their culture what they used to do uh but they do romanticize it a bit listeners they they turn their you know I laughed with Miles because the trailer, the trailer is actually pretty violent. It's actually really cool. Uh, yeah. But I laughed. Very I said, I said, it's, it's just a little less violent. And it, and it is in reality. When you, when you hear about some of the raids that would take place and some of the uh, settlements that would get invaded, uh, the Vikings weren't nice. And they did a lot of, they did a lot of, of things that we would consider today atrocities. It was actually normal. They're What's brutal. Yeah. What's funny to me is the fact that you had this you had this English king talking about the their monsters or genocide, all that kind of stuff. Like he, he basically is painting them as yeah. these Alfred. Yeah, he, he's he's basically painting them in this picture of they're just brutes and that's it. Uh, but the English were just as bad. And if you don't oh, and yeah. if you don't know that, listeners, go read Scottish and Irish history. <laughs> uh, the English were monstrous when it came to how they conquer, like how they conquered our nations. And I'm not saying that the United States is even remotely innocent Anybody, in that aspect. No, no one any, is as a conquering any nation. Any conquering nation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one is as uh, a conquering has, nation. Yeah. Any conquering nation has its, uh, its bad history, but whether or not it's readily available or not, 
is another story. But I do want to point out that that's not what Ubisoft is setting out to tell. That's not the story that they're out to tell. They're they're out to tell a story that is close, more closely related to the Assassin's Creed lore and how characters have been built up. So I'm curious what story they're going to tell with this, like how the character is going to have some kind of tragic past, because that's the the theme for every Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, in reality, we've already talked about this, listeners. We we do think that Odyssey should have been that moment. That should have been the moment that the the series should have deviated and just been called Odyssey. And in all reality, for Origins as well, since it wasn't yeah. truly the Origins until they added in the DLC. DLC. Yeah, the the argument, yeah. listeners, could the be made because they added DLC. the DLC or because of the way that they ended Origins with the uh, the AC symbol at the end that it could be considered an, an Assassin's Creed game. Eh, that's a, that's a really wishy-washy stance if you think that, but yeah, that aside, and if you're calling, if you're calling origins or odyssey, the best Assassin's Creed game, and you haven't played any of the Ezio trilogy, right. I'm sorry. You have not played Assassin's <laughs> you Creed. You haven't played Assassin's Creed. <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed started with a really fantastic story, a dual story. Yeah. Nonetheless, um, which was fucking unheard of almost at that point in time in gaming. And it com- that's what really made me fall in love with the game. Like the gameplay was solid and the, the story was super compelling and intriguing. Yeah. By three, and it completely collapsed. <laughs> three. Th- I, 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 I don't ca- count three as a collapse. I call it as a hard stumble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black flag kind of helped uh, recover it a little bit. Yeah. And and you could argue Rogue as well because Rogue was really just more Black Flag. Yeah. Um, but after that, there's just story went downhill hard. Yeah, I mean, th- those were really good continuations. But at that point, like after Black Flag and really Rogue, the story just kind of they stopped really paying attention to the story, like the 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 even yeah. the side story, the stuff with the, the with Abstergo and all that stuff. Like that, that kind of fell off to the wayside. It was almost like because of three, they didn't really know where to go. And that's why yeah. when it came to Origins, we were sitting there going, why not just call these these games Origins? Like, or like, why not call Origins just something else? And listeners, I was thinking about this over like just over the past week. Uh, the fact that Assassin's Creed at this point, the, the Assassin's Creed games, like if you really need to have the AC moniker on there, then call these heritage stories. Because they're Assassin's Creed heritage stories. They have nothing to do really with the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood at this point. Yeah. They're not really holding to the Assassin's Creed. And they're, they're not even holding to the Assassin's Creed uh, story continuation with Abstergo. Because even in Odyssey, it doesn't really, that story doesn't really evolve very far. So it, no. it, and it brought a tremendous amount of question of, do we even need the animus at this point anymore? Shouldn't we just be playing as these characters? Because the stories outside of the animus don't expand that world any more than they already were expanded with Black Flag or Rogue. So why do we even have this? I mean, Origins made, made a lot of people go, I don't really feel like I need the animus because that story, the story outside of the animus went nowhere. That was pointless. All you do is find out that you're a researcher who's kind of gone rogue with her own animus and that Abstergo's not very happy with her. That's about it. You don't learn anything about what the Templars are doing now. You don't learn how you don't learn how any of this has to do with the uh, the original, the, the first civilization. So what's the point of the animus at this point? And uh, Odyssey reaffirmed that whole feeling that fans were having of, 
we don't really need the Animus anymore, guys. Like Ubisoft, did you ever hear this? The Animus at this point, all the stories outside of it are kind of pointless unless you're leading to an actual story. And since you're not, just get rid of it. We don't need the Animus. We don't need the Animus anymore. Desmond did what he was going to do. The story kind of fell flat because you didn't do everything that you had talked about doing with with Desmond, which was actually having Desmond as an assassin outside of it. I get that you wanted to tell the story with the with uh, Connor and the uh, revolution and all that stuff. And while that was a neat idea, it doesn't totally it didn't totally pan out at, at this point where we're at. That's why I was saying we just just call them Assassin's Creed Heritage games like they're Assassin's yeah. Creed Heritage. Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Heritage, Odyssey. Like we're learning about characters that had connections to the Assassin's Brotherhood in small ways and led up to the creation of Altair's order. That's kind of cool. That would be neat to see that that'd be neat to see how that ties in. But at this point, we're not really playing Assassin's Creed. So a lot of, a lot of fans, listeners, we're not alone with this. I've, I I spent a lot of time talking to other fans actually this week, either on Reddit or even Facebook, uh, a few places. Yeah, even comments on on the, the the release trailer. There's people that have that same exact look uh, outlook. That yeah. you know, the Assassin's Creed moniker should just be dropped. It's just being used to boost sales at this point. Yeah, which I, from a business standpoint, I totally get. Yep. You know, you want something to sell well, attach a name that's recognizable to it. Yeah. But it's kind of doing the whole. Uh, uh, franchise is kind of a disservice in the long run. Yeah, you've created this new set of IPs that really don't have to have to be in the Assassin's Creed universe. Or, no, I shouldn't say universe. Don't have to be attached to Assassin's Creed, but can take place in the same universe. You created a cool universe that can 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 go on from there. Uh, this isn't like Star Trek, where you know you had Star Trek and then Star Trek: Next Generation, where they were both on a different version of the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, the, those make sense. Uh, this is Assassin's Creed where the assassins aren't really around and don't really have anything to do with this. So why even call it Assassin's Creed? Uh, yeah. Which is why I said, you know, if you have to have that moniker in there, just call it, just call it an, an AC heritage game and you're, you're good to go. Uh, you're, you've got that connection to the universe. It's not exactly having to do with the Assassin's Creed, but you're showing that this is a character that ha- that's important to the, you know, eventual, you know, creation or uh, eventual connection to the brotherhood itself. So, you know, aside from that, uh, do you see that? Like, is this a game that you think you'll buy? Uh, the the only one I've sort of technically never owned uh, was Origins. Uh, okay. And and technically the side scrollers, uh, because those became freed uh, on yeah uh, I got Xbox yeah. Uh, Origins. I played through through lengthy borrows essentially. So chances are I probably will wind up buying it just because it's it's Assassin's Creed. Chances yeah, are you'll end up owning quote it at unquote some point, Assassin's Creed. Whether it be yeah, I mean, whether it be from you know given to you you know or uh, or rented yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I mean I've played all of them. You know, like you you said in our chat, uh, damn that Spartan kick for Odyssey. Because- God, dude, that, that <laughs> did me in listeners. I like we. I want to point out listeners. I like I'm going to call myself out on this. I have said almost every single time the Assassin's Creed games have come out since, you know, well, I should say after uh, since Origin that I wasn't going to buy them. 
I owned Origin because it was given to me for free. Uh, there's a podcast about that. I think it's still up. Uh, basically, I got a free copy from uh, from Ubisoft um, due to a lengthy letter that had taken place a year uh, over a year before they the, they gave it to me for free. Yeah, we had a good chuckle about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, and that's that's happened to me a few times, listeners. I've gotten you know I I was given a free copy of uh, one of the Need for Speeds from uh, EA. Uh, not gave me, but they gave me a massive discount on Need for Speed uh, because of my problems that I had with uh, trying to get a re- a refund for the previous copy of uh, Need for Speed mm. that I'd gotten. They basically just gave me here's a you know instead of giving a refund. Oh no, it was it was because of Mass Effect Andromeda. That's what it was because of Mass Effect Andromeda. I, I wrote this long fucking uh, email about the fact that I wanted my money back for Mass Effect Andromeda, and I kept bugging them, listeners. I no joke. I, I, emailed, I emailed them so many times that eventually I was basically asked to stop uh, by their customer service. And I wasn't rude when I was writing those emails, but I was basically, I, I was telling them like basically their, their product was crap and they, they owe me my money back. Um, but eventually they sent me a, uh, a discount on one of their need for speeds. And I ended up or, or basically on the origin store. I shouldn't say need for speed cause it wasn't specific. It was just a discount on the origin store. So I ended up buying one of the need for speeds and it, it was, it was crap, <laughs> but you know, that, that was part, that was all part of the downfall for between me and EA it was just one event after another, you know, there, there've been times where I'm like, I'm not going to buy this. I refuse to. And either something happens or a given. Well, Odyssey, I ended up like, I had no intention of buying, of buying Odyssey. And then I saw the Spartan kick and I was like, if this is in the game, I might end up buying it. My brain was sitting there going, I'm a 10 year old and you're telling me I can Spartan kick someone yeah. off of a cliff. And yeah. I was, I was so against it. I was like, I'm not going to do it. Strength yeah. level. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Said it on the podcast multiple times. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it. And then I saw a trailer and it was actual gameplay and someone Spartan kicks someone off of a mountain. I went, but <laughs> in my brain, my brain went, you're going to make yourself a liar. You're going to buy this. And I did. I bought it. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. I even recommended it on the podcast. I did have a game breaking bug that wouldn't allow me to progress. So that was a bummer. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. It pissed, yeah. yeah, it pissed me off tremendously. But uh, I did want I did emphasize the fact on when I talked about it on the podcast that I am uh, it, it's a rarity for for someone to come across that kind of bug. Out of out of the previous Ubisoft games, this game actually had the least amount of game breaking bugs uh, than they've had in the past, which is saying something for a Ubisoft game. Yeah, so, for the most part, it was actually really solid. Yeah, um, and it was a very enjoyable experience. So it was enough for me to not say to other players, "Ah, you know, it's it's crap" or anything like that. But this one, I saw, like you know, you brought up the the axe throw to the face, and I was like, "That's really, it's really cool." Don't get me wrong, that trailer was awesome. And if you can do that in game, that's fantastic. The idea of the fact that you can actually dual wield shields, just shields. Infinite, infinite shield fight uh, just sounds hysterical to me. When people were bringing that up, I was laughing my ass off when uh, yeah. the guy in the interview with the developer said, can you have like you can have dual shields? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can do shield dual shield if you want uh, all, all day. And uh, just listening to like or watching some of the comments and he's like, that's it. Infinite shield fight. And I, and I just laughed. I, I laughed my ass off. Um, like that, that's really cool. They're thinking about the dual wielding things and how that's going to work in the game. Uh, so that, that it's got a lot of really cool elements to it. Listeners, the, uh, you know, I know they're going to involve, uh, Norse mythology because they've done that with origins. They've done that with Odyssey and 
they incorporate them somehow. And it usually always has, it always has to do with the first civilization, which is really kind of neat. Yeah. They did say that, uh, it's going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to be a lot more grounded than they were with, uh, Odyssey and origins. It, you know, not so, uh, not so literal, you know, fighting like, you know, uh, beasts of lore and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the whole gods thing is going to be more of a subtle thing. Uh, well, the gods thing, I kind of appreciate. Yeah, the, like it, it was fun in Odyssey and and Origins, but you know, if you if you want a more grounded experience in, in their you know culture that they're trying to yeah. show off, then yeah, I mean, the gods thing in in the previous two games made more sense then because they would have been completely over the top, given their own given given those cultures' own lore, and the fact that they're set up these are the a lot of these things were set up as like defense systems by the old, like the ancient civilization, the first civilization yeah. that made more sense. Yeah. Whereas it sounds to me like this one's going to go more along the lines of they're they'll be making more contact with the original civilization in conversation, the same way that Desmond did the same way that Altair uh, had, or I will not really Altair, mostly uh, Ezio had uh, yeah. those, those kind of things where they actually had the face to face hologram kind of thing. Oh, it, dude, sounds, uh, it sounds like my, that's going to go that one route. Of, one of my favorite comments in the the video for the release trailer was, uh, "What the hell is Ezio doing?" Yeah, in, that uh, was North Culture. The old man Ezio. Well, sir, that was uh, absolutely old man Ezio. Like that. <laughs> I, I I would but I would totally believe it. Yeah, on, on that, in all reality, that seemed like it was absolutely <laughs> old man Ezio, and it, that wouldn't be unusual because they've had those situations where, uh, uh, in other Assassin's Creed games, where they've had. Uh, either hallucinations of, you know, Altair where Desmond's actually appeared to uh, or like Desmond's in the same place as, you know, uh, Ezio was and Ezio is having a conversation with one of the holograms of the ancient or of the ancients and the ancients turn and start talking to Desmond like Desmond is in the same room with him. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Like, and Ezio gets really confused. Like, you're not talking to me anymore. Who, who are you talking to? I think there's one of them. I can't. I want. I want to say it was probably an Odyssey. I, yeah. I can't remember uh, for certain, but I want to say there was actually a point where you were actually as that character talking to, I think Ezio. Yeah. Or Altair. It would. It uh, wouldn't surprise me. So. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. The, uh, and those, I could totally believe that Ezio popped in to make an observation or influence something yeah and, somehow and that absolutely that absolutely makes sense Th- those give credence listeners in my opinion not to just making it in a, in a assassin's creed game but to include that heritage title uh because yeah. these are the connections that they have they're small and they're not major but they are cool and you sit there and go oh okay this actually has some kind of connection to what happens later in the series which would be the first games um so yeah, it, it totally makes sense that with especially with Norse mythology where their gods were more grounded, their gods were more human of you do something for me, I'll do something for you. And it seems like if this character go if it goes that route, then this character might have more contact with uh holograms of the ancients or their consciousness that's been digitized and the fact of they're going to want more they're going to want, you know, tit for tat, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Yeah. So that's what I expect uh, going forward in this series. Am I going to buy it? I listeners, I'm going to do my best to try and quell my 10 year old 
inside me telling me, oh my gosh, Vikings, it's finally happening. We're going to be Vikings like that kind of shit that's going on in my brain even right now. So I'm going to try and quell that as much as possible because I don't have really any intention of buying the game uh, when it launches, unless there's not a whole lot of launch titles when it comes to the Xbox Series X or the PS5. If there's not a whole lot going on then and I don't have a whole lot of backlog, I might get it. Uh, I don't think I'll get it day one. But uh, I do want to come up. I do want to point out the fact that there were a lot of people who were really like who really misunderstood the Xbox Series X logo at the end and went, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's exclusive. Yeah, it's not. It's absolutely not exclusive. <laughs> no, Ubisoft wouldn't shoot them in the face. That you know. release. Yeah. yeah. Ubisoft wouldn't Ubisoft wouldn't shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, they've even said that it's going to come to the Xbox one and the PS4. It's going to be it's going to be available on all systems. The reason why they're doing that is because more systems, more sales. We've talked about this in the past podcast or just last week. You, you know, developers aren't going to jump onto the exclusivity bandwagon right away uh, for yeah. the next generation. So it's going to be available. I'd, I'd honestly go, go so far as to say that we're probably not going to see much in the way of exclusives unless it's strictly owned by either Microsoft. Yeah, or absolutely. Uh, I think that the previous generation for consoles is probably going to be, they're probably going to try and support the hell out of those for at least two to three years. Uh, just because the whole reason why listeners this, that this is going to move this way is because you know, Ubisoft has already said if you buy the game, if you buy this game on the Xbox One or the PS, or, or actually not the PS4, they haven't said that yet. Sorry, specifically the yeah. Xbox One, and you get an Xbox Series X later, they will automatically through the, uh, you know, basically through the, they they call it the smart delivery system. Uh, they will automatically give you the assets that's being used by the Series X, and it will upgrade your game to the next generation, and. Like I said, listeners, we've we've said this in the podcast before. That's not new. They currently do that now between the Xbox One S and Xbox One and Xbox One X. When you get the Xbox One X, you get all the assets. You 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 still have the same game, but you get all the assets that are new to the Xbox, you know, One X. So moving forward, this kind of makes sense. Microsoft wanted to make sure make sure that developers knew that they were continuing this program, but they were calling it something specifically so that one they could promote it. And that makes yeah. them look like a good guy. They're giving you something for free. So it makes them look like a good guy. It's, it's smart marketing. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Absolutely yeah. smart marketing. It, and on one hand, it, it comes across as a, a very customer friendly, uh, consumer friendly action yeah. and, and decision. But in the same token, it's kind of a hollow one. It's like it. Yeah. it it is already should be that way. And it kind of already yeah. is. Doesn't it, absolutely, take much effort. it absolutely is a hollow thing. <laughs> uh, and when you give like when you give a great thanks to uh, Ubisoft, you're giving it to the I, I want to point this out, listeners, you're giving it to the wrong people. The 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 group that should really be thanked, you should be really thinking is Microsoft because Microsoft wanted to make sure that their systems were uh, a full ecosystem instead of just this small closed one. And yeah. th that's the company you should really thank because they made sure their architecture translated so well that they could do this. So hats off to Microsoft again for making sure that that was a thing going from this generation to the next generation and very smart move by your by by you, Microsoft, to say that, hey, it's called the smart delivery service so that your developer, or the developers who are working with you and the publishers that are working with you can promote themselves as being the good guys. Smart move. Great yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it it looks really cool. Listeners, if you're looking forward to this game, I get, I have nothing to say to you other than, yeah, you know, I get it. <laughs> it I'm looks looking, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing gameplay on it, yeah. 
if it's as fun as Odyssey, I mean, mm-hmm. that's I got my money's worth. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, listeners, even when I had that game breaking glitch, that game was a lot of fun going up to that. Like I was actually having a great time in that game and Ubisoft, I, I think, did a, did a really good job, you know, to that point. Uh, do I wish that they could have fixed that glitch? Eh, yeah, uh, I think that there was other things that they could have done that were a lot better for that. Uh, one of them being that you didn't have to physically collect items from characters that died. That's what caused my problem was the fact that the character, one of the the main bad guys died I couldn't collect what what was on him because he was stuck inside of a rock. So, yeah, and he died before I even got there. So I have no idea when he when he disappeared from the game, but it is what it is. And that that's just something I have to, you know, that's something that I'll have to go back and play at some point and hopefully be able to actually physically finish the game rather than just seeing Uh, other people finish it. But, you know, it's just like uh, uh, Far Cry 2 loved mm -hmm. the hell out of that game. Uh, could not complete it because there was a, uh, in this case, it was a well-known glitch. Yeah. Uh, it was called, I want to say it was called like the 80% glitch or mm-hmm. something like that. You get to a certain specific mission and you couldn't go inside the house to talk to the quest giver. Oh man. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be shitting me. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> if Ubisoft, do you ever hear this? Please don't make your please make sure you take away you take out any systems that require us to physically go up to a character and remove things from them because that hurts that hurts the gameplay that can cause if a glitch happens where the character disappears, goes through a wall or anything like that. The gamers, we get screwed because of that. Yeah. Especially if at, we're not at the very least not for Yeah, at the very least not for main story. Yeah. You can do that for side quests, that's fine. Side quests sometimes get broken all the time. Okay. Well, yeah. They're not important. If they pop up again, I can do it again. As long as it's not integral to my story plot, my storyline, we're fine. You know, one last thing, Ubisoft, if you ever hear this, stop fucking around and make a goddamn Splinter Cell game. Stop putting Sam Fisher and everything else. He's a great yeah. character. He deserves his own game again. We all want it. We want Michael Ironside again. Michael Ironside, right? Uh, a lot of people want a new Prince of Persia. It's Ironside, right? I'm saying the right person. I think so. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Prince of Persia. I want a Prince of Persia that continues the story from the reboot of the Prince of Persia. Right. You know, the one that play, was played by Nolan North. I want I want a continuation of that story. That that story was really cool. And I don't know why people were so bad were like bagged on that game. It was actually really well done. It was a good game. And Ubisoft, you did you actually did a great job. There was very few bugs in it. Amazingly. <laughs> I was surprised when I played it back in the day, but it was great. I enjoyed it. I played it. I must have played it at least three times. I'm looking forward to hearing more and more about Valhalla. I'm not, you know, I don't know if I'm if I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm going to try not to because I've got other shit I got to get done. But uh, I hope people get a good game and I hope the fans get a game that they can really enjoy. And Ubisoft yeah. really just needs to consider changing the name, Ch- changing, getting rid of the just Assassin's Creed part of it or changing it to a heritage game or something. Because, yeah. We're no longer on that anymore, uh, and it makes it makes a lot of fans like our, like ourselves kind of wonder, well, how long are they going to go with a sat with the Assassin's Creed stuff? Because I like it's kind of fizzling out. So, and when I say it's fizzling out, listeners, not not the games themselves, and not the gameplay or the or, or the parts that are fun, but the animus parts. Like that's kind of fizzled out. Like, where are we going with this, guys? Yeah. Ever since the uh, the dual storyline took a hit, it's been kind of pointless. Yeah. So I laughed my ass off at a comment on the trailer for that 
uh, from a, a gal saying that there should be horses. Vikings <laughs> used horses. <laughs> I was, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, they did not use horses in war. Uh, they did use them occasionally for travel and they, for labor. And because they did use them for travel and labor, they were very valuable. Yeah, they um, used horses. And thus for, they were not used in, in combat. Yeah, they, they used horses for uh, specifically, you know, farming, labor, uh, traversal. And if they used them in combat, there was the worry of if I lose my horse, that's a very valuable piece of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remake a horse. I can remake a sword. I can't remake a horse. Um, yeah. So even Saxons didn't really use yeah. uh, horses. So yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> so for those of you who are out there saying, ah, oh, you know, I was hoping for horse for horse combat. Uh, no, you you would get that with knights. You would get that with you know medieval uh, the medieval uh, stuff. But you're not going to get that with with Vikings and. Yeah. Um, the only time, the only time you use really, one, <laughs> yeah, the, the only time you'd actually be able to, you know, the only time you'd actually use a horse for going up against a person is if a slave ran away and you were trying to capture them. <laughs> so if that's in the game, well, then that's, that's a, that's a moment of truth from, uh, Ubisoft about that, about that culture that I don't think is going to be in there. They avoided a lot of things with slavery and, and stuff like that. And even, you know, so far uh, yeah. sex slavery in, uh, in, in even in ancient Rome, in Odyssey that they, they try to, they kind of skirted that they, they didn't even, you know, even Odyssey, you know, got away from the, like didn't bring up the fact that uh, the Romans were, the Romans were okay with pedophilia <laughs> listeners. I don't know if you know that, uh, but they were okay with it. They were okay with that. They were okay with, you know, homosexuality. They were okay with lots of things. Uh, sex wasn't really something that they shied away from on any aspect. And that included yeah. owning slaves for sex. <laughs> so uh, that, that wasn't brought up in Odyssey. So just to give you an idea of the things that Ubisoft, they, they, they romanticize is by, you know, ignoring a lot of things that happened. And that's not, a, that, I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is that you, you shouldn't be surprised if you play this and they, they omit some things in it, like slave yeah. owning or, you know, when, when, the Vikings would take over an area and then you'd have raping and pillaging that yeah. that happened in a lot of cultures. And we brought this up earlier in the podcast. I know, but uh, just be aware that that's, that that's probably going to the case. So when it came to the horse, when it comes to horses, you're not going to see that use, you know, that be used in the same faction. You're not going to be seeing that used in battle. There was another game very recently. I, I can't remember what it was, um, but in the comment section on it for it as well, it's there was another gal talking about horses. I was like, what the hell is with this fucking fascination suddenly about horses? <laughs> yeah. Go play Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> Go play Red Dead Redemption too. If you want horses, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Wild West totally used horses all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, it was just fucking hilarious to me. I was like, well, somebody cheated off the smart kid in world history. Yeah, right. <laughs> In other news, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 got a rating in Brazil, and it's 18 plus. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Brazil like listed all the things. Brazil's rating system listed all the things that are in the game, and like there's this, 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 and this, and this, and this. 18 plus, okay. And no yeah. one in Brazil cares. 10 plus, 12 plus, <laughs> 14 plus. 
dude, some of the stuff that they they have in there just makes me laugh. There's, I I can't remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, and I don't have it in front of me, but there was stuff in there like uh, dialogue of drug use, like ten plus. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, all right, you know, ten year olds could totally sit there and talk about use the drug is fine. Um, well, like I, like I said, in a, but, in a in a from a country that has you know drug lords and. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, leg- you know, legalized prostitution, <laughs> uh, child, you know, prevalent child prostitution. I mean, like, they're not exactly a country that is known for having deep moral grounds. Funny to me seeing that that breakdown. But essentially, what it comes down to is that it's how they rated it would be a mature rated game for for us, guaranteed. Yeah. Um. The uh, the adults only rating probably not going to happen within this decade. No. <laughs> uh but um that's 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 promising to me cuz I I I enjoy I'm in a I'm a fucking adult. I enjoy a visceral experience. Uh I don't need shit candy coated for me. No. Nope. Um games so, not made for, games not made for kids. Even even yeah. uh you know even CD Project Red has said it's not made for kids. Not it's yeah. not for your little for your for your little kid. It's it's for an adult. So if you let your kid play this game, that's that's on you. Yep. Um, don't don't go trying to blame you know the game company or the ESRB or uh, GameStop if you pick up a physical copy. Uh, don't blame any of them for the rating. You you choose to be a parent. You should parent. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the game coming out and seeing if it has the same backlash that Grand Theft Auto has every time it comes out. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm sh- yeah, it'd be interesting to see if violence. IGN goes, oh, it's it's just too real. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't believe they would do this in a residence. Yeah, like all the people who are sitting there going, well, that's not a proper representation of that culture. It's yeah. not a proper representation of any culture. It's in the future. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's a work of fantasy um, doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> idiots um so, but i'm i'm super looking forward to that game i i wish it had stayed on track for release because yeah. then i'd be playing it right now um but I, i'm glad that they're taking the time to get it flushed out so yeah that's a game that is it's not going to be games as a service it's going to be a full-fledged game when they come out with it and cd project red has delayed it many times in order to make sure that they're creating, you know, this full fledged out experience. So, uh, you know, that EA, you want to see how it's done. That's, that's where you look. It's yeah. a full fledged experience. That's what you want to create to begin with. Like I said, focus on the game, then, then look at how you can extend it. And a game that was looked at as a game or that wasn't looked at as game was looked at how it could, how they can extend it as much as possible was destiny and let's just, we've been playing destiny two uh, quite a bit lately. <clears throat> Miles picked up the, uh, the, the full pack. I, I have the full pack. I've been waiting for basically anyone in the group to get it again. So I can play it again <laughs> yeah. uh, because I played it by myself for a little bit uh, as Miles saw. And um, I just kind of was like, well, it's fun, but it's still not as, it's still not fun by my, or as fun by myself. And I'd rather play with other yeah. people. And that's, that's really what we used to play the game for and to begin with was because we wanted to play it with other people. We wanted to have those experiences with each other because of the random shenanigans we used to get into. 
Yeah, and at the moment we're kind of in a lull where we're pretty much grinding out on other games. And yeah, and so we kind of have a nice break to uh, you know kind of go in and do that. Yeah, but one of the nice things, listeners, is that we've seen since Miles and I have had experience with other games, we've been playing other games that were games as a service to begin with. Uh, much like you know, we've been playing Warframe. We've talked about that on the podcast a few times. Uh, it gives me a new perspective on looking at Destiny and how Destiny did their systems and. When I look back at how Destiny 2, and originally listeners, even on the podcast, we defended the fact that they needed to make a Destiny 2 in order to essentially rework all their systems, which they sort of did, but not really. Um, Destiny 2, in in at this point, with hindsight, doesn't make sense. And here's why. Because we've been playing Warframe. Warframe was a game that came from very little and turned into something very big. And they've yeah, been able to, to play. Yeah, it's still, it's free to play. And they've been able to build it and build it and build it and change it over time to what it is today. Now, I'm not saying that Digital Extremes is perfect and they haven't done anything wrong. They've done some things wrong, even most recently with some of the, the, the latest updates. They released them a little too early and they admitted to that. And they're trying to rethink certain systems and change some things before they come out with their next content. That's one of the reasons why there was such a delay with one of the uh, intermissions that we've been dealing with in Warframe and the intermissions were supposed to only last like a couple of months and then move on. It's lasted six months and we haven't, we haven't gone to the next one. And the reason is because they've been having to delay things because of how other, other stuff that they've handled has gone. They've been trying to fix those. And in the meantime, also prepare for the next uh, uh, act that they want to go into for, for one of their stories. And when I see how how Warframe started and where it's ended up today. Destiny could have done this. They could have it, not saying free to play listeners, not saying that they could have done it free to play. Don't know. Um, given that they were with Activision, I doubt it because Activision is not the company you want to introduce free to play with. Uh, generally, I don't think they know what that word is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. When I say that they could have done this with Destiny listeners, they could have actually evolved the original Destiny that we have into Destiny 2. It would have taken time and it would have taken a lot of effort to change Destiny Destiny 1's systems over to Destiny 2. And that might have been, you know, maybe it would have been a complete redownload of their systems. But the thing that's missing from Destiny 2 is the fact that they are missing out on having a much more expansive world as a result. So by not having the things, the maps and stuff like that from Destiny 1 transfer over to Destiny 2, we're missing out on a bigger universe, even even in just the same areas like on Earth, Mars. That's that's the disappointment that I have. And the reason why I can say this is because since we've been playing Warframe and seeing how Warframe has been able to add planets, other maps, new locations to the original game that they started with. Well, that shows Destiny could have done something very similar. And yeah. they, you know, that's why, you know, Warframe has these, they they call them revises, uh, where they're basically new patches to fix old systems and change them over to what they want to lead up to. And Bungie didn't do that. Not because they couldn't. Well, I shouldn't say not because they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't because of who they were attached to. It's Activision. And, and I have right. to blame Activision solely for this because Activision wanted them. We already know Activision wanted them to come out with a game as quickly as possible and try to monetize the shit out of it as fast as they could. 
which is why the original Destiny was chopped up the way it was. We already know this. So when it came to Destiny 2, the same thing started happening with Destiny 2, which is why Bungie had to separate themselves. Bungie had to get out of that relationship because it was absolutely detrimental to what they were wanting to do with their game. Yeah. So they finally did. And while some vets of the game, you know, don't feel that that Bungie's gone the right direction with some things, overall, compared to where they were at, when you look at Destiny, when you look at Destiny 1 and how things were going with that, and you even look at the launch of Destiny 2 and where Destiny 2 ended up with you had the two minuscule updates, uh, where they're at now is a huge step forward, in my opinion. Uh, and I have to say, they, they've done a really good job of trying to start having their, their gamers more active and stuff like that, especially with the season the season content. And I love, I, I gotta say, I love the season drops. I think that's a really good idea. The fact that they have two different levels where if you don't own the season pass, you still get things from the regular season. Yeah. You know, they, the, the two, the two level thing is that's, that's fantastic. I think that's wonderful that they would include that saying, you know, you don't have to have the season pass. You just get more of a benefit from the season if you have it. So yeah, that's that's the way that they should be doing things, and that's the way that they that they've moved forward. And I think that the season pass content is cool. It's a it's a good idea. The fact that you have these two levels, and you still give people who don't have the money to pay for the season pass still get something out of it. That's awesome. Great job. Is the game where it needs to be yet? The gameplay is still solid. It's still you know yeah. it's it's still as solid as it's ever been. That's not going to change. Um, it's still enjoyable to play with other people. Um, but it still struggles with trying to trying to decide between grind versus difficulty. And yeah. that's one thing that they really need to, to, to focus on. And I, I think this is even more evident when you look at their strikes and you look at the, the Nightfall. Uh, when they added the Nightfall Grandmaster mode, they acted like they were adding content. And that's not really what it is. Uh, the Nightfall Grandmaster mode is literally just a higher difficulty and more bullet spongy. It's not exactly yeah. adding more content. It's the same crap you've always had. So when they acted like they were adding more content, that's that's old Bungie, or I shouldn't say that, that's Activision Bungie talking, uh, not not what they should be doing. Yeah. That was them kind of like, oh, here's a bone. You know, hopefully this holds you over until we actually come out with the next content update, uh, which players didn't really need. You know, you 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 have to look at your systems and say, OK, currently what's happening with the the strikes and the nightfall is they are handled poorly, in my opinion. And Steve, you may you may disagree. And and if we'd had you on the podcast, you could you you'd be able to tell us that uh, maybe one day we'll maybe someday soon we'll actually have you back on the podcast so you can talk about it with us. But in my opinion, strikes and nightfall are handled poorly in that they auto level based off of your group that you're in. And I think that's a that's a poor way to do it. The strikes and the nightfall should be based off of what level of difficulty do you want initially, which is kind of where the grandmaster comes in. But the grandmaster doesn't separate of saying, well, you get even better drops with the grandmaster. It says that there's a possibility of it. Well, there should be this this stair step of, OK, strikes start at, you know, light level 750. If you're going into 750, here's the possibility of drops. And then after that, the strike should change over to, okay, you have a higher difficulty strike. And with this one, you have, you know, maybe it's light level of 850. And now you have even better possibility of better drops. 
And when you like just basically stair stepping of like, these are the difficulties that you can go into. And the reason why I bring this up is because we have this already in Warframe. Where we have missions that we can go into that say, okay, this is a higher difficulty game or higher difficulty, like the, the nightmare missions. His, this is a higher difficulty. You're going to get more benefits out of this than you do other stuff, than you do other stuff. You're going to get more likely yep. to get better stuff, more drops, more things out of this than you do with the regular one. But it's more difficulty. You, you have you have this this range of here's the level that you that you're going to be playing against for, for when it comes to enemies. And Destiny needs to kind of implement something similar where you actually have a stair step of difficulty equals more reward. Difficulty equals more reward. Instead, right now, when you play a strike, it's based off of, well, who's the highest ranked person in the group? And it averages out between between the three of you. So that's kind of crap. That, that's that's a bad way to do things. And we noticed that when we were playing the the strike and perhaps may, maybe we got into a strike that we didn't really know was augmented more. It's a possibility, but we got into a strike and we had a guy playing with us that was well over 1,000 or well over 1,000. You know, it was the hunter that we were playing with and we were playing against yeah. enemies and Miles and I were both in the low 900s at the time. I think, I don't even think Miles was at 900 at the time when we started this, but we were playing against enemies where it said light level recommendation of 980. And we're going, what? Like right. you, you told us when we were going into the strike that it was a light level recommendation of 750, but now you're saying it's a light level of 980. So are you telling us that you, you're you're averaging out amongst us? And apparently that's what happens. So if you have somebody go in there with a huge light level, well, you're getting kind of screwed, and you don't get anything. Your your drops are the same. You don't get anything extra out of it. If it increases the difficulty, if it increases the light level of your enemies. So at that point, you might as well just have a set of gear that's set at 750 and go in with nothing but 750 shit and just keep it easier. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. Am I wrong, Miles? No, I mean, uh, I, I think you're you're on to something there because you know, it, it almost has that feeling of Anthem where your your stuff doesn't matter. You yeah, know? Um, absolutely. And I know to a degree that it, it, it at least does. Yeah, um, you have actual stat trees <laughs> for yeah, like intellect yeah. and strength and all that stuff. You know, uh, a better system for that would be be nice. Uh, I, I have my little gripes. Um, and, and in all reality, they're pretty much little gripes because the game's still fun. Yeah. Um, you know, the menu systems take way too fucking long to load. Oh, my gosh. Uh but I've been spoiled by choice with other games where it doesn't take that long. Yeah, where it's instantaneous, um, you can see everything right away. <laughs> and while I get that you're wanting uh, your players to use the new stuff that you've created, uh, the armor sets, uh, for example, and some of the weapons, uh, I really like my old shit and uh, wish that I could just get it with you know the mod slots and stuff like the new stuff has. I'm so um, glad you brought that up. I was just about to go to that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that's like some of the stuff was ornamental uh, as far as that goes. Like my winter heart ropes. Um, love the hell of those things as far. It was one of the coolest sets of gear I have for uh, my warlock. Um, if you're saying that's some really old shit, you're right, because I stopped playing a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to be able to turn uh, legendary pieces into that, at least, you know, visibly. Um, so that, that's a nice option. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get that option with everything. 
Yeah. So listeners, what I was going to, what I was going to bring up is the fact that old, like the, how old weapons are utilized and brought into the game uh, is completely half-assed and poorly thought out. And this is like, I have to say, this is an absolute criticism uh, of how they use this because, and you know, maybe Steve, Steve, you might disagree again, but let me, let me explain why the old weapons uh, should be kind of, like when you create them into masterworks, the masterwork that you like when, as soon as you unlock it in the masterwork, and I know that this is an old system that was in there, but the masterwork alone should unlock the same mod slots that you have in current weapons. Now, when you create a, when you turn an old weapon into a masterwork, it should automatically get the same mods, the, the same mod tree that you're getting in new weapons. And that doesn't happen. The, you, you don't get the extra mod slot. You don't get the extra capabilities. You don't get that extra, you know, boost of reload speed or anything like that, or, or whatever the weapon has available to, or available to it. Uh, you just get, it just creates a masterwork and it's slightly more powerful. Well, that's garbage when it comes to the new weapons. Why even have the old weapons at that point? You might as well just junk them. You know, Bungie, that, that's a poorly thought out system. If you have these old weapons and you create them into masterworks, it should unlock that stuff. That's that's the way you utilize old weaponry. You don't do, you know, at this point, you're, you've created a system for old weapons that is even worse than what you did before in Destiny 1, where we essentially, if we wanted to continue using the old weapons, we had to get rid of them at first. That's what they did. We had to get rid of them and get the new ones. And then we were able to uh, fuse whatever we got into them to, to build up their light level. Well, you can still fuse them now, but they, they can't have the extra mods. So they become kind of worthless. Yeah. Kind of come outdated. Yeah. So why even have that in there? Why even have the old weapons in there? If that's what you're going to do, because at that point where you're forcing us to go, well, I love this, you know, I love this weapon, but it's completely worthless. When I look at the fact that I can't, upgraded any more than it already is other than light level it doesn't get any extra stats it doesn't get any really like really anything extra out of it i can't get a faster reload time out of it compared to newer weapons that actually have this extra slot i can put more things into it and and bring it up in level i like i don't i don't understand where bungie was going with that like did you guys not think about that? Did, was it just something that you didn't actually consider? I, if I could have an interview with with somebody at Bungie, I would love to ask them like, what was your what was your thought process on this, and why didn't you try to be more inclusive with our with our older stuff? Because when you do like when Bungie does something like this, this makes me worried for the future of Destiny in the fact that if Destiny three comes out and none of your stuff can transfer over or none of your stuff is useful. Man, I know a lot of gamers who are going to quit playing that, including Steve. If you can't bring your stuff over, and if if you do bring your stuff over, it's useless. God damn, there's going to be a lot of pissed off players. Really became blatantly one of those things. That, like when we started playing it, Miles. Like I even brought up the fact I'm like, you might as well just, like I told you right away. You might as well just get rid of your old shit. Yeah, like it's it's completely worthless. Miles is like, man, I you know, he's like, I love this gun, this gun. I'm like, yeah, so did I. I had the same weapons, a lot of the same yeah. weapons. And, but when I sat there and I was like, well, if you open it up and you look at the, the new modifications you can have on the newer weapons, it outdates the old stuff. It makes the stuff, the, the old stuff pointless. And he was like, holy shit, you're right. So we ended up scrapping our stuff. And while we still love those weapons and in reality, a lot of the newer weapons are garbage in my opinion, compared to the way the old ones oh, yeah, reacted. I'm, just, 
I'm still using a lot of my old stuff. Uh, the origin story, Soros regime. God, uh, I story. mean, those are staples. Yeah. Me. Yeah. The Mida multi-tool. Um, yeah. you know, all those are, are still, you know, yeah. tops. And Mida multi-tool, uh, which is fun. <laughs> Mida multi-tool, which is with the mighty multi, Mida mini tool go together. The Mida mini tool is completely outdated because it can't be upgraded any more than in a masterwork. That's, that's shit. Come on, guys. You didn't think about stuff like this game. Like when you have an exotic that's tied to a legendary, they, they should yeah. work. They, they work together. Why wouldn't you think about this? And you can't tell me that, that speed boost is enough to, to, to make up for the fact that you don't add that mod slot to it. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah. Uh, another gripe is the amount of hoops you have to jump through for a lot of these quests and how kind of yep. nonsensical they that tend gets- to be. That gets back to the uh, not knowing whether or not you should make something difficult or grindy. And Destiny or Bungie, you can have you can have something be grindy, but you can't make it overly difficult to do because it they kind of cancel each other out. Like when something becomes super grindy and then it's also super difficult, it makes it non like not non accessible, but you just don't want to do it. As a gamer, you just yeah. like, uh, I don't want to deal with this. This is bullshit. And while some old fashioned game, you know, some uh, vets might be saying, oh, well, you're just being a snowflake. Maybe I am. But at the same time, I'm I'm telling you that. How can you find enjoyment out of having to do something super grindy? And then on top of it, it adds a difficulty level. That's just I'm having to put up with this now, too. Come on. Like. At that yeah. point, you just kind of feel like, God damn, like, I don't want you to give it to me, but I do want it to be attainable and to be enjoyable, to be fun. And when you yeah. add grindiness and, to difficulty, it's no longer fun. And Warframe has missions that are like that, too. Um, yeah, don't get us wrong. Not, which is we put up with that yeah. in Warframe all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We um, don't like it there either. But, yeah. It, it just gets it gets a little ridiculous at times, especially when is it one of the... because. It's one of my biggest gripes in real life. Anytime I have to backtrack, I right. fucking hate backtracking. Absolutely cannot stand it. I will literally not go somewhere because I have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, just drives me fucking bananas. Yeah. Could you uh, imagine like, let's say like, could you imagine your wife going, hey, I need you to go to the store for this. And you go to the store, you come back, say, here it is. And she goes, I need you to go back for this as well. You, yeah, I yeah. just <laughs> left from there. You couldn't call me. Yeah. You couldn't tell me that I needed to do that while I was there. You needed me to come back, give this specifically to you, and for you to also say, "Also, I need this." Like that is crap. Yeah. That's bad storytelling. <laughs> yeah, so it, it it annoys the crap out <laughs> of me planning. in games when I have to do that. Yeah, and it's not just Destiny that does that. There's tons of games that do that. Games. Yeah, Fallout's done that. Uh, obviously, sea Warframe has done that. Sea of Thieves. Um, anytime I have to revisit an area I was just at, and especially one that I cleared out of enemies, and suddenly yep. it's full of enemies again. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, well, to- we need you to go do exactly what you just did, except this is just to go have a conversation with this person. Yeah, like, it uh, makes you do the face of I'm doing what? my best to not <laughs> punch you in the face right now. Uh, yeah, that that's the the face you get when it happens and destiny is, is no stranger to it. And it's, Mm. it's been this way listeners since the first destiny. And it is still just as annoying as it was then. And I don't understand 
why Bungie thinks that this is like the only thing that I can see that justifies it is that they're trying to create false longevity. And that's (laughs) exactly what it feels like listeners is false longevity. It makes the game feel longer for certain aspects than it needs to be or is. And it's just annoying. So that's listeners. That's what I mean when I say like they can't figure out whether or not they should make something grindy or make something difficult. And when they decide to add them together and just make something grindy and bullet spongy specifically, well, now you're just adding false longevity for no fucking reason. It's like, here's a perfect example. Listeners, when they created the, uh, the rat King crew, the original quest for that, for that game or for, for that quest was, it was super grindy up until, up until you got to the last part and the last part for it, which was the, the, the last riddle was you had to play a nightfall. And the thing is that the original quest required you to play nightfall and you had to have five minutes left on the timer. And well, some of you gamers out there are saying, Oh, it was easy because you're fucking amazing. And uh, all that. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Get good. Go fuck yourself. Get good. <laughs> like that, that's the equivalent of, Oh, well don't suck as hard. Okay. I'll work on that. Uh, I'll try. I'll try to be faster and somehow stretch out somehow stretch out my time by killing everything in sight during a fucking nightfall and not have to run through it as quickly as possible to get through the 11 fucking minute timer and have five minutes left on the top on the clock. Listeners, you have no idea how many times I tried to do that quest and got it with almost within five minutes and ended up with the timer at four, you know, four fifty, four fifty five, And I'm sitting there going, so because of 10 fucking seconds, you're not going to give me this fucking gun. Go eat a fucking yeah. bag of dicks. That was the thing that that was my response when that happened. I was so pissed off at that quest. I stopped doing it. I stopped caring if I ever got that gun because that was the shit that Bungie was implementing was, oh, well, we're going to make you do this a thousand times until you can get this fucking time done. And I'm listeners. I'm not saying that it should have been easy. What I'm saying is that it should have been a fucking obtainable goal. Yeah. If you said it was, well, you have to get through the nightfall and have two minutes to spare. Okay, I could buy into that. Two minutes. Your average okay. gamer should should have to be should be able to complete it. Yeah, now, it's this it's isn't a raid. This is a yeah. fucking exotic quest. It's an exotic gun. It's a gun. And for God's sake, we're not slouches at that game, and we we can definitely hold our own in that game. But but that's the know. stuff. That's the stuff that they implement, and they still implement stuff like that. That's just stupid and grindy, and like you know. All right, well, here's and here's an exotic, and here's all the steps you got. Congratulations, you got through all those grindy steps. The last step is doing a modified version of this task that's super fucking difficulty, or super fucking difficult, and on top of that, everything's bullet spongy, and everything can kill you almost almost instantaneously. Right. What? For, for a gun? You want me to do this for a gun? This isn't like in-game content where I'm having to take on a fucking boss, and this is the story? Wow. You guys not know how loot works. Like, listeners, don't get me wrong. In Warframe, we have to put up with crap like this with other things. Like, Haro. Oh, my God. Trying to build the Haro frame? Holy shit. You want to talk about grindy? God damn, listeners. Like, <laughs> no, no joke. When I went at, I went after the Haro frame, I had a, I got lucky. I said, or Revenant. How many yeah, times we ran you for that? Like, I... I I got, you know, I got lucky when it came to Haro compared to other gamers. But when you hear about a gamer going after Revenant or especially Haro, a lot of other gamers will go, God damn, you're a fucking hero for building that. Rather than buying it straight out, you are a hero for building it. Why? Because it is 
super grindy and it is not easy. But I, I you know, I eventually, I, I eventually got through it. I got those frames. I even built those frames. I didn't buy them. And it was, was it rewarding afterwards? Sort of. I mean, Revenant's badass. That was absolutely rewarding. Yeah. Haro's okay. I'm not a huge fan. I know a lot of gamers are. But it's not the worst frame I, by any means. Yeah. Did it, did I feel like it was worth all of that work to get them? Not really. In the end, I kind of felt like I just bought them. Yeah. And huh. is that the, is that the purpose of Warframe? Maybe I'll, I'll admit it. Well, it, and it might be, <laughs> it might be the incentive to buy it, but you can't buy exotics in destiny. Listeners, I need to really quick correct myself. You can still buy exotics from Zor. I realize that but what I'm referring to is you can't just pay straight up money for like a brand new exotic that came out or anything like that. Uh, for that matter, you can't go out and just buy the armor that you want or something like that. Uh, so you kind of have to do these quests if you want to get these guns. And some of these quests are just really ridiculous. And the, uh, the, the likelihood of Zor having them is almost next to nothing because he usually only has old shit. And that's the thing with any game that has an online uh, gameplay like this, where it's just kind of open-ended uh, is they're there to make you spend as much time in the game as possible. Um, Absolutely. And so there's no no there's no good way to balance that out in all reality. No no game I think has figured that out. Because if you don't have something to strive for, if you don't have something to strive for in the game, generally you don't play it. You know, that's why a lot of really great games have a definitive end. Uh, but you know, they're offline. They're they're their own standalone thing. Yeah, but when you have systems in place that make you go, this just isn't fucking worth it. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, it's still an issue. I'm not saying it's not an issue. It's no, just, that's that's it's what I'm unavoidable saying. Like that's, with these. That's what happens. Games. That's what happens in those situations of you yeah. end up with these like while they're designed to to get us to come back and want us and, and get us to want to engage and play more. And I understand that at the same time, when it reaches a point where you're just like, I don't want to play this anymore. That's a that's terrible. That's a that's a bad system. That's something that needs to absolutely change. Yeah. So I mean that's that's what happened with uh, World of Warcraft for me many many years ago. Yeah, and uh, a it was expensive, but b I I finished raiding a dungeon, uh, doing a raid, and I got better gear, and suddenly I was l- too low of a gear score to ever run that uh, mission again. I was like, I have better stuff now than I did when I ran it, and now I'm getting penalized for it, and it just stupid shit like that it's just uh, i'm done <laughs> yeah and, and listeners with the uh you know with the grandmaster mode for for nightfall i realized that the grandmaster mode was not like in reality it wasn't really implemented as something that was meant to be more content bungie just made it sound that way what it was actually meant for was for players who had felt the nightfall was too easy was that they needed to have something that they could have they could feel challenged at and it's, yeah, it's for those players. Absolutely. It's for those players who can do the raid like that, who can do the raid so quickly that they don't, you know, have any actual challenge. So, but that's how Bungie should have labeled it. Bungie should have said like, oh, this isn't actually like real content for the rest of you guys. This is more for the players who are just out there really needing a challenge. And that's what they want. So did they kind of misrepresent that for themselves a little bit? Uh, was it intentional? I don't know. I don't think it was really intentional. I don't think they really meant to be like, oh yeah, it's a huge content drop, you know, update. I think it was more of like, we're trying to give you guys something 
for those players who just constantly play and are asking for, you know, the people, the players who want the nightfall timer back. That was essentially it. The people who wanted the, the one of the challenge, because when they were looking at the nightfall, the reason why they got rid of the timer was they found out that nobody was playing it. And when I say nobody was playing it, that the majority of their players weren't continuing it, weren't completing it one, because the drops weren't good. And two, because the timer, a lot of players were sitting there going, well, this is just now that you added the timer, it's just too difficult for me. I can't do this. So since there's no good drops out of it, I might as well just play the Vanguard strikes. And that's what we were doing initially, you know, originally listeners. That's what we, that's what we were playing through because the nightfall we thought was garbage, you know, and, and then you had that exotic quest on there that made it even worse. Uh, I'm appreciative of the fact that now that the nightfall has changed and that the, uh, you know, they have that, the exotic is now where I believe you have to play with another person who either has that exotic weapon or has the, uh, the quest for it. And that's how you get it when you finish it. Uh, and if, you know, if that's how it works now, based off of the other, con- the other conversations I've had with other players when asking, how do you, how do you complete this now that the timer's gone? Uh, it, I mean, that, that sounds like a good change. That's a good change. I appreciate that. That's, that's more obtainable. That's, that's more attainable than what it was. That doesn't change the fact that Bungie, uh, you know, and they're not alone in this the listeners. Again, they are not the only ones doing it, but we're, we're just primarily having a, dis- a discussion about destiny that Bungie needs to really consider, do we want to make something grindy or do we want to make something difficult? Uh, Having challenge in something is sometimes enough for making, you know, asking people to get a weapon or asking people to get, to get something rewarding out of it. Having it grindy makes people go, is this even worth it? And really I would, I would say the thing that they need to concentrate on is, if you're going to make it grindy, then make it grindy and that's it. And that's the reward. If you're going to make it difficult, then just make it difficult. Don't add the grind to it. Just have the difficulty in there. When you have both, I, I seriously consider this listeners when I, when, whenever we're playing and we're dicking around and stuff like right now, listeners, we kind of stopped doing the main story for what we've been playing. And we decided to try and concentrate on trying to get some of the exotics that we've had or some of the exotic quests that are even old. Uh, to take care of those on the side. And we've noticed that, yeah, there's still a lot of grind to those. And then they add on top of that, they add a difficulty and we're just like, God, dude, this is just not, this part is just not fun. This is the stuff that I don't like doing. And maybe that's our own mentality. We need to stop doing that. And we just need to do those on the side while we're doing other, other stuff. But when those, I do want to point out when those quests were created, there wasn't a lot of other stuff to do. It was just those quests. Yeah. So you didn't have extra you do that or you going to crucible. Like yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of choices. So th- that's still, that was still a problem. And will that continue over into destiny three? God, I hope not. I hope they, ch- I hope they continue to evaluate the systems and go, you know what? We need to make these things where they're just a little more fun to, to, to get through. And they don't feel like a chore. Uh, when you do that and you can create that, that sense of fun, with even if it is a little bit of chore but you can create that sense of fun with it that's where that's where that sweet spot is and destiny hasn't quite hit that even in a lot of cases warframe hasn't hit that cfes hasn't hit that when i go back and i look at uh how destiny's done things the other thing that's that's been very evident and this is absolutely evident if you're a new player coming in at 750 and you hit that 950 soft wall (laughs) man is it evident you will skyrocket from 750 to 950 fast. And if you're a veteran player, you got knocked down to 950 
with the newest season uh, update. So the newest season dropped happen and you lost all that progress and went back to 950. And I totally understand that. And from there, it's it's a chore to get back up to a thousand. When they when they did that change, there were some gamers that were pissed off. Other ones understood. Steve was one of those that totally understood how it worked. But when you're a new gamer and you're at 750 and it skyrockets you with new gear and all that shit all the way up to 950 and then you hit that soft wall at 950, the grind and the the halt of your gear is extremely noticeable. Steve, I got to tell you this, man. We hit that 950 I hit that 950 wall and it was instantaneous when I knew that at 950 hit and I was not going to get gear like I was getting. Holy shit was it noticeable, bud? Like, God damn, new players, you guys must be hitting that going, what the fuck is wrong with this? Well, that's where your RNG algorithm changes is at that 950. As soon as that 950 hits, all your gear is going to slow down. The the gear drops you're getting are going to be shit. The gear drops you're going to you're getting are going to be not progressive. And you're going to feel like, wow, why did I just like I just got a blue that was 951. Yesterday. I've been at nine. I, I was at nine fifty within three days, and I and I only got one drop that was nine fifty one. After that, everything else was either nine fifty or nine forty eight. There was nothing else that was giving that was giving me anything that was help me helping me boost. Now the other boost that you get is from your artifact, and the artifact's relatively easy to use, but the artifact is handled terribly because it doesn't explain that. In order to defeat some enemies, you have to turn on certain parts of this artifact and equipped this mod into the newest, uh, into the newest, uh, gear that you have. Well, barrier servers require the new gear, the new, the new weapons with the new, uh, mod that, you know, new mods that come from your artifact in order to defeat them. That's a shitty system. And the fact that Bungie doesn't explain any of that, Jesus Christ, guys, are you playing Warframe and saying, this is how you do it? You don't explain anything? Fuck, we deal enough with that in Warframe. The Wikipedia for Warframe is my best friend. (laughs) Because I have to consult that constantly. I shouldn't have to do that with, with a Bungie game. Bungie used to be way better at this. Even in Destiny 1, you were way better than you were way better at this. So we, you need to really, really go back and go, hey, let's explain how shit works. At some point, we decided that tutorials were terrible and we don't need them ever. Well, tutorials are terrible when you start out a game and everything's the same from one game to the next of pull right trigger to shoot, pull left trigger to aim. This does, this <laughs> does jump. That shit, yeah, I get it. You don't need tutorials for that stuff. Those are, those are discoverable on your own. The things that you do need tutorials on are intricate systems like mod systems, intricate systems like the, the the artifacts and how those upgrade and the upgrades that you need to have in order to defeat certain enemies. That's stuff you need to focus on. That's stuff you need to explain. You can't just assume gamers are instantly going to go, oh, I need to have this barrier mod in order to defeat this enemy later on because when you go in there and you suddenly encounter one of those enemies and you're like, I don't have this at all, or I'm still running old shit that can't be used. Yeah. You just have to abandon the goddamn mission. Yeah. You just have to leave at that point. Cause you're fucked. That's a bad idea. That's a bad way of doing things. Listeners with that said is 
do I like the new, do I like some of the new systems? I do. I actually enjoy some of the new systems that they've implemented. Some of the new systems with like armor 2.0, very cool. Some of the new uh, armor, like, you know, mod stuff that you can add to them. Awesome. It, it, it creates a certain equalizer system for it. So when it comes to that stuff, that's cool. I wish it translated over to the old gear. Really? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Uh, because I think that stuff is really neat. I think it's really uh, awesome that, that Bungie started looking at their systems going, Hey, you know, a long time ago when we talked about destiny one, we had talked about having, you know, tree systems and skill trees and stuff, all that stuff's in, uh, all that stuff's coming in. They're bringing that stuff in there. That's great. Mods. That's awesome. Good thinking. Really good stuff. Uh, so there are upsides listeners. There are downsides. There are criticisms that we have for destiny. There, there are good things that they have in place that we're willing to praise. Uh, so is it worth coming back to destiny too? In my opinion? Yes. It's, you know, especially if you have a good group of friends that you play with a good group that you enjoyed having those adventures on, uh, the last two content drops are really what destiny two should have had to begin with instead of having the small Osiris one, the small war mind one. Uh, if they had been content drops that were this robust and this, uh, big, then I would have stuck around through their seasons because this would have yeah. been like, Oh yeah, you guys are really taking this seriously. This is really where you're turning the ship around. But since they were still under the thumb of Activision and they were trying to just, okay, we need to come out with content as quickly as possible and monetize the shit out of it. Mm. They were kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place at the time listeners. And that made it hard as a gamer to want to stay in the game and play with it. So it really did make us jaded towards when they were coming out with forsaken. But Forsaken and Shadowkeep, those are good content drops. Those are good things. They really, they really have done a a step up, in my opinion. Uh, not perfect. They still have some things to work on, but it's still better than than what we had, what we got. It's a good step from Destiny Two, which Destiny Two was a good game when it launched. They had they had some good stuff going on. It's a good step from there to where we are now. So, Bungie. All I can say is expand your universe, try to work with what you've got and build off of that. So uh, one last conversation to have is over Sea of Thieves. Recently, Sea of Thieves, we talked about this last week. They had their emissary program that came out and uh, it was really fun experiencing that because of the amount of gold that we were getting out of it and the amount of stuff that we were, we were able to get out of it was uh, a lot of fun. We were actually having a lot of uh, fun with some of the treasure hunts. Yeah. We were actually having fun with uh, certain things. It was a good trade off. Yeah, we weren't having fun with the Reapers. It was creating a bad situation there. And we talked about that a little bit. But one of the things that has happened is that recently the developers have pointed out that uh, even though you don't get more, you don't get more rep out of the stuff that you're doing, you are getting a lot of treasure. And they were noticing that a lot of people, what they were doing was uh, not what they intended, which I think huh. in some cases was some of the stuff that we were doing. And that was you change flags over while you're at a base in order to get the gold uh, increase uh, because we would pick up stuff along the way and it had nothing to do with the fact, the, the emissary were well, the faction we were being emissaries for. So what we would do is we'd we'd be strategic about it. We'd say, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to drop off all the treasure, right? And we'd go and grab, we'd, we'd cancel that flag out. We'd get our bone, our, our gold bonus out of that. And then we'd go and open up another faction, uh, another emissary, just to get the gold bonus out of it, even though we weren't going to get the 
the flag bonus because you only get the flag bonus when you discover things or you pick up things. And uh, since we already had stuff on the on the boat, we would say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to change over to this flag and we're going to get the gold bonus for at least the items that we're dropping off. And that's what we would do. And apparently the developers are upset that people were doing that because that's not what they intended. And I'm sorry, but I got to tell you, Rare, suck it up. It's not changing any of the progression of the game. It wasn't changing any of the rep for the game. We were just simply getting more out of what your system was involved with. And you need to deal with that. I'm sorry. You, by changing <laughs> what you've changed now, you are now making it where we don't really care if we play because you created something that was kind of cool and we got more out of it. We got more gold out of it and we were able to buy more of the cosmetics out of it or because of it, which was a decent but, trade off with having to deal with, you know, the reapers <laughs> with the reapers and with griefers yeah. specifically. So, okay. You turn around and you say, Oh, well, People are, are doing what we were doing, listeners, and that's not what we intended. Well, we're going to lower the gold benefit that you get out of it. Well, if you lower the gold benefit that we're getting out of it, what's the point in doing the emissary program in the first place? Why yeah. should I do it? I don't get any. I literally, we don't get any more rep with those factions by having See, it in the first the, place. So you might as well now. Here's the not thing. They actually, they actually say you do get more rep, but I've never seen it reflected yeah. when we did I it. I never. I never um, once I saw never, us getting more rep out of it. No. Um, so if if it did get us more rep, it it's it doesn't small. notify you, and it's very small. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, one of the big things was Reapers were going collecting gold, you know, flags, everything, and apparently you could just sell everything at Reapers Hideout like it's an outpost. Yeah. Um, without having to bother going to the other places. And so they were like, oh, well, our PvP players aren't doing enough PvP. They're just, you know, getting everything and depositing into one spot. Yeah. Uh, so it de-incentivizes de going after uh, yeah. ships. They, they created um, a system where the, PV play, where the PV play, PvP players didn't have to be PvP. Yeah. And instead they're penalizing them for not being PvP which now yeah. since they're doing that, it's going to create even more problems for the rest of us. And yeah. now the rest of boosting. us aren't able to, aren't, aren't going to get our, our boosts out of Gold our, reward. you know, out of our, yeah. uh, emissaries. And now to begin, or, this is a terribly formed sentence. God damn, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for the edit. You can leave this in there if you want to show people how completely <laughs> stupid I am when I talk. Um, yeah, listeners, sometimes I edit this kind of stuff out so you don't have to hear me babble. Um, but now, like now that they are changing the rules, it's even penalizing us that, that don't yeah, want to play. Penalizing us for doing what we were supposed to be doing. And then it's going to incentivize further to sink us, which I mean, that's that's why that Reaper uh, faction exists. But, you know, at least they had a, the distraction of, oh, well, we can turn in treasure, too. And yeah. now it's not really worth uh, as much time for them to go turn in treasure. So yeah, naturally they're going to take every hit they can at uh, so, any emissary. Yeah. Will, will reapers in the end even care to, to do it? Yeah. I don't know because overall the incentives have been dropped for everybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing people not even playing the factions, not even being emissaries anymore. Right. When you start removing, I mean, there's you start removing incentive, People don't want to do this stuff. Yeah. 
you introduced a rewards program that, you know, it at least made uh, PvP for us a little bit more tolerable. Tolerable. Be like, all right, we can run that risk. We're going to run into people that try to sink us anyways. But hey, at least there's this gold reward for doing so. And now you're taking that gold reward, and I don't I don't remember how much they cut it by. I don't know if they said how much they cut it by. But regardless, you still cut the amount of gold reward that we get for doing it. So you're taking more and more of that incentive for us putting up with the emissary system away. Yep, absolutely. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, this this just goes back to our conversation about how Rare doesn't Rare doesn't really know what game they're making anymore. Yeah. Are you making a PvP game or are you making a PvE game? What what is it, guys? What are you trying to create? Come on. And we listeners, we recently finally got through two of the tall tales, and that just reassure that just reinforces my opinion about the fact that they need to create a PvP server and a PvE server because yeah. those tall tales are actually fun. They're actually enjoyable yeah. to do. We actually like them. Yeah, it's- even even yeah, the puzzle right. one that we finally got through because, well, <laughs> we finally got through. Let, let's be honest. We finally got through it because you had two other competent people with you uh, to yeah. go through it. And and we actually knew what we were doing. But yeah. it's <laughs> it was enjoyable and we wouldn't mind going through them again. But we always, you know, when we run them again, we, we will always run the risk of dealing with other players, which has always prevented us from wanting to do them. Well, you now that you now that you've got this emissary system and that's downplayed, we sit there and we go, well, do we even want to put up with other players ever? Like, really? Yeah. To do this stuff, like every now and then it's fun, listeners. Every now and then we'll actually have a good time. We'll go, you know, other pirates will fight with us and and we'll actually have fun with it. Uh, I'm still terrible to combat, so in the end, it's just for me more about the hilarity and uh, of stupid instances. Yeah, if we beat somebody, it's usually luck. Or incompetence on their end. Um, (laughs) They sail into an island by themselves twice in a galleon. (laughs) I fooled them with my own stupidity. Uh, That's that's basically what it feels like sometimes if we win. It's kind of tough to sit there and be like, well, do I actually want to go into Sea of Thieves? If you're if you're going to if you're penalizing me now because we were able to use your system that you created. It, we were able to use your system that you created because you didn't, cl- you didn't play the game. <laughs> you thought, Oh, right. people are going to play it exactly like this. Well, no, we're gamers. Gamers are seriously creative people when it comes to trying to get around systems. When it comes to yep. anything like that, we are very creative on how we can, how we can work the system to our own advantage. Look at your own gamers. At, at least it's better than what, you know, Bethesda does, which is if you're a gamer that, learns how to get around their system, they penalize you for it and ban you from the game. <laughs> right. Hey, don't get me wrong. I think Bethesda, I, th- I think, uh, you know, Bungie and Rare are the nicer developers out there, out, you know, that are willing to at least, okay, we'll let you get away with it right now. We're going to change the system in order for you not to be able to do that in the future. Whereas Bethesda is like, how dare you get around our system and how dare you point out a vulnerability in our system? We're penalizing you. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You're, 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 you're mad at me because I was able to circumvent what you had set in place. This isn't a situation where I hacked the system. This is a situation where I took advantage of the system and that's my fault. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anything else to add, Miles? Um, uh, quick game review. Uh, Moving Out came out. Um, oh, yeah. On, also Streets on, of Rage. Uh, all systems. And, oh, yeah, and Streets of Rage. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Um, moving Out uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, it's the most fun I've ever had moving furniture and or boxes. Yeah, and you've um, actually done that. For, yeah, for, for uh, money. For, for I, I actually said that to Shane. I was like, man, if I could move furniture and stuff like this in real life, I probably would have kept moving furniture. Right. Because um, you can just throw most everything. Uh, and it's hilarious. <laughs> well, in that case, you could just work for UPS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's definitely fun. It's on Game Pass. Uh, if you have Game Pass, I would totally recommend picking it up and playing it, uh, especially if you've got uh, somebody to play with. Um, that's my biggest uh, negative is that it is not online. Um, so it's only local play, which is kind of a shame, um, especially since Overcooked is online, but not this. Um, it's uh, it's it's very funny. Uh, the, the dialogue that's written in there is really great. Um, cracks me up every time I see it. <laughs> and uh, Streets of Rage 4, um, very much holds true to kind of its classic uh, predecessor. Um, it's just as difficult, and the end fight is kind of bananas. Uh, I've got a friend that's going through on Mania level. Uh, wow. I don't know how, because normal <laughs> was really tough uh, for me. Uh, See, the, those are the people that game, just like, they, they just like to, to hurt themselves in real life. Yeah. The people that enjoy Dark Souls and stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah listeners I, i'm not a gaming masochist I, I enjoy a challenge i don't want to sit there and punish myself i do that yeah. enough you know in the real world um <laughs> so uh streets of rage 4 totally worth the purchase price thankfully i didn't have to purchase it though because it is on game pass um it is two-player online it's a shame that it's not more uh but i've already gone through it once uh on normal and it's it's good it's uh you you can easily sit through and beat it in one sitting um which isn't exactly surprising it's an arcade beat-em-up the new character floyd is amazing for getting rid of enemies uh but kind of slow yeah Um, so jay has been playing it as well he sounded like he was really enjoying it um it's and based off of you and and anderson playing it, it sounded like it was a lot of fun yeah yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's tough. It is challenging. It is, if I'm glad I don't have to put quarters into my system. To play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The amount of quarters we would have gone through by now is staggering <laughs> for some games. So definitely, definitely lived up to what we uh, expected. That's great. That's like, that's really good to hear. The fact that it was on game pass is awesome. I mean, yeah. Microsoft continuing to show just how much that service is worth. Uh, oh yeah. You know, really, really yeah, I recently re-upped mine. Uh, so that I'm good for another year. So yeah, I can't say the same really for PlayStation now right now. Um, but PlayStation now, I mean, it's still, it's still a good service. It's just not, I don't think it's, I don't think they've taken it quite as far as they should. Uh, the it's way that Microsoft quite as valuable. Has. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully it's only a 60, you know, PlayStation now is only a $60 a year. Uh, cost, but when you add that into PlayStation Plus, uh, comes comes out to almost about the same uh, cost per year as uh, Microsoft is charging for Ultimate Game Pass per year. 
when you when you add up yeah. all the months. So I have a review for Deliver Us the Moon. I got to play that. Oh, yeah. I, I finished that entire game playthrough. And that is available on Game Pass as well if you want to play it for, uh, well, not for free, but you want to play it through that. Uh, it's available to you. It is, I would say it's absolutely worth even just buying it um, just because uh, the story is really compelling. It's a really cool game. And the fact that it was made by such a small team is super impressive. Uh, it was built off of a Kickstarter. It does have, uh, listeners, I will say it does. it's not perfect. I mean, it's an indie title. It's made by a small team. It's not perfect. It has sections where the frame rate will is cripplingly slow. And that's even at 1080p, 60, 60 FPS, uh, or the frame rate just drops to crap. So highly recommend do not go to 4K because those sections will be even worse. But that said, uh, and, and, and there are parts where the texture detail is like, maybe in some sections, the texture detail is almost PS2 quality. Uh, yeah, but muddled. yeah, it's, it's really muddled. It's really pixelated, uh, low, very low res, but for the most part, it's a good looking game. It does some really impressive stuff. Uh, when you start out playing it listeners though, don't let the sluggish movement hold you back from playing the game. At first, when I started playing, I was like, man, the, the movement's shit. And that's only on when the game's on earth. And the part of the reason is because it's using the same physics throughout the game and that goes from you know being in gravity to low gravity but when you get into space the movement makes sense the the sluggish movement makes absolute sense because of the way you would be moving in low in in low gravity versus uh you know earth gravity yeah that you you would have a significant uh yeah you you would have a different kind of movement in space versus but since it uses the same physics across the board, that's kind of why things are sluggish in uh, gravity areas versus non. So just keep that in mind. Because once I got into space, I was like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. <laughs> which is really after the, fir- the, the, the first level of the game, which is really short. So once you get into, you know, uh, space sections, then it makes more sense. You'd be like, okay, I can deal with this. We're good. Uh, this will be fine. Uh, the protagonist is primarily mostly silent. There's only a couple parts where he, where he talks, but all the emotion and everything gets through very well. It's a good story. It's an interesting story. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not terribly unpredictable, but, it, but it's still, it's still fun in, to experience and go through. And it's actually a game you could probably get all of the achievements on. I would say, uh, it's a very, it's a very achievement. If you're going for achievements, it's very much an attainable goal to get all of the achievements in the game, even in one playthrough, I would say if you, if you time out certain sections, right? Absolutely. Uh, and the nice thing is that if you go through a section and you like, let's say it's like, don't get, you know, go through the section, don't get touched by something that might damage you. It does have the forgiveness for the achievement, at least of if you, you know, you can just die, restart that section or just reload the checkpoint and go try it again. And it won't, it won't penalize you for redoing it. So it doesn't require a perfect playthrough in order to get the achievements. So that's nice. Uh, I enjoyed the amount of Easter eggs. The Easter eggs in the game are great. God, they're good. Um, you know, they they make fun of the, the moon landing hoax. Uh, really quick, listeners, I want to point out, I'm not saying that the moon landing was a hoax. I'm pointing out the fact that they make fun of the idea that landing on the moon was a hoax. And it's done very uh, humorously. So... 
they do some references to movies, uh, including it. Funnily enough, it's it's an overall good experience. Absolutely play it. If you have Game Pass, try it out. Give it a shot. See if you like it. I think you'll enjoy it. You might have your first criticism like I did, which is, man, this is sluggish and crap. Like, what's going on? But try to bear with it for the first level and and you'll be fine. Listeners, thank you for listening to us. I'm sorry for the very long podcast. I know you had one last week. Trust me, last week's was even longer before I touched it. But hopefully we can, uh, hopefully this is a decent enough experience for you to go, man, uh, when I hear Vargo unedited, he sounds like a complete moron and stutters a lot and talks over <laughs> himself a lot and can't get a, a final thought through. You're right. <laughs> Anyways, please go on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you really want to follow us on Twitter, if you don't, that's fine. We don't really tw- post a whole lot of stuff. Uh, if you want to get rid of your Twitter account though, we highly recommend it. If you want to take a break from Twitter, absolutely do that. It's healthy for you. Oh, and tell your friends about it. It's pretty much the only way we get around. Please follow us on podbean.com if you don't like iTunes. If you do like iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. This is Vargo. And Miles. Keep on geeking on, and we're out. Well, she's lying in our bed, sweating down at the ceiling. I know we're worried head is aching. I know the cause is me. I could leave the bathroom light on for better dreams tonight. My stability, my luxury, my life, and I won't go. Neither will you. Turn off the phone. Let's sleep till two. Your sad eyes taking the mean words are unnecessary. Grip the back of your neck and slowly. Let the sun come up, let the sun